Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Hmm, okay. It's that kind of, this is going to be that kind of Sunday, huh? And is the sun out yet? The sun is out, I think. So, okay. Remember, receive, rejoice. Can you say that? Okay, everybody together in, in a chorus. Remember, receive, rejoice. Okay, what do we remember? We remember that therefore there's now no condemnation. There's no condemnation for any one of us. There's no condemnation because Christ has taken care of it. If you are in Christ Jesus, you are no longer condemned. We all falter. We all have our issues, right? There's not, not one in here that even this week has not faltered. And I'm not excluded at all either. <laughs> Maybe I'm, uh, I'm the biggest sinner. I don't know. Because I know more, I suppose, or have studied more. Um, but the point is that the good news of salvation, the good news of God's giving us Jesus Christ is that there is no longer any condemnation. If we are in Christ Jesus, if we have taken Christ as a Savior, then we're not condemned. We're no longer condemned. No matter what you're doing throughout the day, no matter how many times you have faltered on the same sin or the same problem, without the remission of sins that Jesus Christ has already taken care of on the cross 2,000 years ago, there will be no way out. There will be no way out. And, and I know that from my own experience, my own walk with God, my own frustrations with myself, when I keep doing the same thing over and over again, I start to think, well, you know what? One of these days, God is going to say, enough. You know, Henry, I've given you all these, all these uh, uh, choices and uh, all, the, all this patience, and, you know, you're still doing the same thing. But... What I find remarkable this morning, the good news this morning, is that it doesn't matter how many times you're sinning the same sin. It doesn't matter how many times you fall in the same trap. Because there is no end to God's forgiveness. There is no end to God's forgiveness. We have the picture of Christ on the cross. God took aim at a perfect human being. He took aim at a person who never sinned. He took aim at his own son, the beloved son, the son that came from the bosom of the father. It wasn't like God was here and Jesus was over there. It, God the father and God the son are one. And together with the Holy Spirit, make up the Godhead. That even in the beginning of the word of God, God is not called God in the singular, but God in the plural. It's Elohim. It kind of should have, right? Should have figured, people, you know, people should have figured that out, that if God is in plural, then there must be something else going on. But Jesus Christ, when he came, he revealed himself to us. And he revealed also the heart of the Father. So, through Jesus... The law of the spirit of life has set me and you free 
from the law of sin and death. St. Paul has written a masterpiece in the book of Romans. He was well versed in the Old Testament. But also, he was also enlightened by the Holy Spirit. And now he's saying it was, it was not surprising that the people of God that we read about in the Old Testament faltered again and again, went back to the same idols again and again. And God, to the point where God said, I'm no longer happy about this. I'm no longer, you know, want to be a, a, a God for these people because they're so stuck into their, into their ways. And we're not any different. We are now the people of God. From all, every tribe and every nation and every language on this planet, the majority of people living in this world are Christians. That's the grace of God. Not any kind of insight that a human being has to be able to figure out, you know what, I will look at all the religions, I will compare and figure out that Christianity is the way to go. I'm going to go with Christ. We could not figure that out because there's, because there's so many and so many good things in certain religions that at least they look good, but the Bible says there's only one way to look good to God, and that is to be a follower of Jesus Christ, to actually make a commitment on your own without pressure, but through your heart to make a commitment and say, I belong to Jesus Christ. I cannot do this on my own. I cannot live my life on my own. Even if everything is going well in my life, I know I'm going to blow it. And I will blow it again and again and again. And here, the Bible says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. If you have accepted Jesus Christ in your heart, if He lives in you through the Holy Spirit, then you do not have to worry about it. You have a giant eraser in your, hand, in your hand. And every time your brain says, oh, you did that today. Look what you did. You did this again for the 100th time. How come you keep doing this? You have to stand back and say, thank you, Jesus, because I have not been condemned, even though I've done it again and again and again. How did God do this? Paul tells us that every time the Jewish people, whether they were in the desert, whether they had settled in the land that God had given them and promised them, every time they would sin, they would have to go to the temple and sacrifice. Every time. And they thought, because they were taught this way, that by doing that, they would then be no longer guilty of sin. But the fact is, the Bible says later, it was impossible for the blood of bulls and lambs. It was impossible to take away the sin of a person. It was all about faith. God said, this, you shall do this and this and this if you want to be my people. You shall ask you know, forgiveness of me and by showing with the sacrifice that you meant it, then I would forgive you. I would take away your sin. Even though it was impossible that was not satisfactory to God the Father who is holy beyond our imagination. 
So therefore, God sent his son in the likeness of human flesh. In order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us. To the who not only are living according to the sinful nature, but we also live in the spirit. That's the key. It's, it's very, very easy. When you get confused, when you are wondering, why am I not being able to make any move forward? Why am I still stuck in the rut? Why am I still, you know, having trouble with these same issues or the same people or, you know, the, uh, the different things that are happening in our lives, the, the bad things and, you know, the difficult things? Why am I still feeling like I'm a failure? It's because we're the children of Adam and Eve. We have the guilt on us. And the Bible says that if we continue to rely on our sinful nature, if we continue to rely in our own ways of trying to do our life, you know, I know how to do this now. I know I I didn't do this before. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try, you know, to, uh, to read a... You know, read the gospel more often. I'm going to try to have more prayer. I'm going to... The problem is that the second our mind stops focusing on the Holy Spirit that is in us, the Lord God, the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross for us, the resurrection of Jesus, the second our mind gets off that track, we are ready to sin. We are ready to fall into another trouble. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what the nature desires. You know why it's difficult not to sin? is because the way our brain is set, the way our emotions, the way we receive information, the sensory perception that we have, whether it's inside us, whether it's in our mind, whether it's through our senses, it's constantly after us. It's constantly after us to do something that we may or may not like afterwards, but in the meantime, we we'll like to do it. I want to ask you to take a moment right here and check out your heart. Check out what transpired even this morning or yesterday? What are the things in your life? What are the habits that need to be broken? What are the reactions of your spirit, of your heart, of your emotions that need to change? Because God wants us, he wants us to try and fail, try and fail, try and fail until one day, will try and succeed. This is how the acrobats do it, right? And they don't, the acrobats don't go up in the, the top of the, of the ceiling and, you know, have no safety net, right? 
before they're able to have the, the power and the skill to fly in the air, they've got to be a net underneath. And God has put more than a net for us. Somebody said, I think it was Martin Luther who said, sin boldly. Get it out of your system. You know, if your, your, your heart says, you know, I, I like doing that. You know, I know it hurts me. It hurts people around me. It hurts God. It hurts the Holy Spirit inside me. You, you know, Martin Luther says, you know, go ahead. Get it over with. Get sick and tired of it. So then you can turn to God and be cleansed of that. That's the idea of, you know, to, to be able to sin boldly. Problem is, as you look at your life, that there are areas in our life, whether it has to do with specific people or specific situations or the things that are cycled into our lives, you know, the problems and, you know, the, you know, the situations and all that. And because of that, so many times we falter. So many times we panic, you know, at least... I do, and I try to latch on to my own, my own power, my own solution. And most of the time, those solutions are not good. <laughs> it just leads me to further problems and further complications until I have to humble myself and sit down and ask God for forgiveness. And have to ask God to take away my sin, take away my ego, my, my pride that I can deal with my life. I can, I can solve my problems. I can take care of everything. The fact is that I cannot take care of anything. Have you checked out the one or two things that you want to work on this morning? What area of your life is waging war right now against God's rule and God's ways? Ask yourself that. Whether it's relationships or your secret life that makes you feel ashamed and turn from God. Is it the love of money? Is it a bad habit? That you can't break? What is it? God has provided the most effective solution for you and me. Jesus Christ. You may say, well, thanks a lot, Henry. Now you want us to be just like Jesus Christ. (laughs) The most perfect person in the universe. You know, who died for evil people. Who let his own people put him on a cross as a criminal? Well, the good news is that Jesus was able to overpower not just evil in his life, but also Satan, the one that started this evil kingdom. Realize that Christ has overcome the world. He overcame the problems of the world. And in fact, he told us, his disciples, 
that in the world we will continue to have problems. This is not a religion that says that if you believe in Christ, if Jesus Christ has given you the Holy Spirit inside you, then you will not have any more problems. That is not what Christianity is all about. What Christianity is all about is being alert on every moment and being having a, a jerk knee reaction to any time that sin is coming in and saying, look at me, it'll be fun, come on, to say no. To look at Jesus on the cross and say no. It's to have the Holy Spirit inside you and be having a conversation with the Spirit of God constantly. The reason Jesus Christ died on the cross and was resurrected on the third day is so that the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, will live in us. The disciples were really having trouble understanding what Jesus was up to during the last days on earth. They could not understand. They could not understand how he let himself be crucified. They did not understand that God allowed him to die on the cross. The, the, uh, the amazing, most amazing Messiah, the most amazing prophet, uh, to die on the cross and because they thought, okay, once somebody dies, that's it. But they had no idea. And Jesus kept telling them, it is the right thing, the good thing for you, for me to die. And Peter was saying, no, Lord, may it never happen to you. There's a, a little uh, phrase in... Uh, the Gospel of John. It's almost comical. Because there's this thing that Jesus says, in a little time you will see me no longer. After a little time you will see me again. And then John repeats it. And because he says, the disciples say, what does he mean by in a little while he will see me? And in a little while you'll not see me again. <laughs> you will see me again. And it goes on because it tries to make a point that they were clueless about what Christ was all about. It wasn't just the sacrifice, it was also the resurrection. And the resurrection is the power to change us. It's a power that is beyond any human ability. The power that no matter how many atomic bombs you, you have, and you can show that there is nuclear bombs and nuclear energy and amazing stuff that you can hold there, it's, it's just a minuscule amount of, of power and transformation compared to the power of the resurrection. Which means that you can sin boldly and get that out of, your, out of your system. You can fall on your face again and again and get up and say, Forgive me, Lord, and God is going to take care of things. The problem with living on that kind of life, however, is that we are challenging God by basically saying to to him, I can do it. Just let me know how and I will do it. And then we fall and falter. And if they ask for forgiveness again, our pride is what makes us go through the cycle. And our habit of relying on ourselves and what we know and what we think we can do instead of relying on the Holy Spirit that is inside. Realize that Christ has overcome the world.
rejoice on the hope while you're focusing on Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans that hope does not disappoint. It's one thing to hope and hope and hope, and so many times our hopes are resting on a bubble, not, nothing that is really spiritually concrete, and therefore our hopes are dashed. But Jesus is saying, because I have overcome the world, you can also overcome the world. And hope does not disappoint. And hope does not disappoint because God has poured out his love into our hearts. The thing that is amazing about our inconsistency is that everything is right here. Everything is right here. Everything is inside us. How do we know that hope does not disappoint? Because Christ has overcome the world in the same way that you and I will overcome the world. Through the love that is in Christ Jesus. He loved the world and therefore he was able to overcome. And we love Jesus with the love of the Father that He's given us because He deposited that into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. That's the reason. That's the hope that we have. Because God loves us. Because God has poured all His love into our hearts. No matter what we go through, we have the power to overcome. We have the power to even if everything that we think is good in our life is gone. Everything, every hope that we have has been, has been ransacked by circumstances. We still hope Against hope, the Bible says, because God has poured his love into our hearts. That's the most amazing thing. That the love of God, the love of the Father and the Son is in your heart, in my heart, this morning. And this brings us to a different level. What he's saying is, God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Jesus died for the ungodly. I mean, it's one thing to, to say, Paul says, you know, you know, if there's a good man around, somebody, you know, like Martin Luther King, you know, I would die for him. Some people may, may say, for a good man, I'll die for that. I will go to battle for him. But what about a regular person? Would anybody die for that? What about a criminal? Somebody who has, has uh, killed children and maimed people and you know, has brought a whole bunch of calamity all over the world. Would you die for that person? And God says, I have sent my son to die for you no matter how bad you are. No matter how evil you are, no matter how obstinate you are, I've died, I've had my, my, my own son die to take away your sins so that you can have the Holy Spirit, the spirit of resurrection, so that everything inside you will change, will be transformed. 
That you have the power to overcome. You have the power to love. You have the power to be patient. You have the power to soar like never before. All you have to do is look inside. All you have to do is speak with the Holy Spirit. All you have to do is read the Word of God and, and you know, put it in your head and memorize that. That this is what God has done. You and I have a choice. With every circumstance, with every problem that shows up in our life, every problem and difficulty that we face, that we hope and rejoice because God loves the ungodly. God sent his own son to die for evil people. Not for good people. Because <laughs> good people did not need salvation. If they were good to the heart. There's two ways to live our life. One of them leads to death. But if we remember what Christ has done for us. If we receive the love that God has deposited in our hearts then we will rejoice through the Holy Spirit. And oh, what an amazing thing it is. I don't know if you ever experienced the joy of the Holy Spirit. It's just an amazing thing. Where your heart and the Holy Spirit have connected. And there is amazing peace and amazing joy and amazing power to overcome whatever is in front of you this morning. I'm going to have you take a minute and make a decision this morning that when trouble comes, when you are facing adversity, when you're facing your own frustrations because you're there, you go again doing the same thing, that you will get on your knees and realize that God loves you, that God has given you the Holy Spirit who lives in you. And that God has given his son over to be, to, be, uh, to be our forgiver and our savior. To die on the cross so that you and I may remember, receive, and rejoice. Would you do this right now?